Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, I am sitting here in Florida, and I am talking to Stella Davis, who is in California. (laughs) One of my uh, old, old friends, and I don't mean old, because if you look at her, you'll see she doesn't even look old. She never, ever looks her age. I'm very jealous of you, Stella. I want you to know. Uh, but oh, please many, don't be. Many years ago in the Paul Mitchell School world, I met you and I was instantly, instantly drawn to you. I was drawn um, mostly to your bright, cheery spirit and just being around you just made me feel so much better and you always lifted my spirits and encouraged me, actually helped me to get really started into the Paul Mitchell School world and gave me the confidence that I feel like I have now. So I just want to thank you for that first and foremost. And I know you're a forever friend. You know how you meet some people, a season, a reason, and a lifetime. You're that lifetime friend for so many reasons. And so thank you for being a part of this podcast today and welcome. Tina, I am so honored and I feel so blessed to be uh, a part of your your B series and a part of the podcast today is you know, we've known each other for, I really don't even know how many years, but I remember when I first started the organization, the Christian Cosmetology Association, many, many years ago, you were one of the first persons to actually join the organization. And I will always remember receiving your uh, donation, your partnership uh, uh, in the mail. And I was so excited that someone, you know, had actually received and wanted to be a part of and you know the years that we've known each other throughout uh paul mitchell and uh, i've stayed in your home i i know your family uh you've just always been a blessing in my life and i could not be more honored and pleased to be asked to be a part of your series because i know that it's going to bless so many people and it has and the vision that god gave you you know it's throughout the world and so many people have benefited from it, myself included, and I just want to say thank you for having me be a part of your podcast today. Thank you, Tina. Aww. Stella, it's so amazing because the, the fact that you started the Christian Cosmetology International Association back in 1989, it was, and it's so funny because you fast forward to me becoming a Paul Mitchell School owner you may not even know this, but in 2001, when I was trying to decide whether or not I should become a Palmetto school owner, I actually joined because of the Cosmetology Christian International Association. There was actually an article in one of the, in a magazine, I can't remember, maybe Modern Salon, I'm not sure. And it was, uh-huh. it, was even, it could have been a layperson's magazine because a friend of mine from my church actually sent it to me. And she said, hey, did you read about this Cosmetology Christian International Association? And so indirectly, Jean Bra Foster was in the article. She was talking, you two were friends and she was a part of it. And so I read it, I knew she was a famous hairdresser. I knew she worked with Paul Mitchell. And so I was like, Uh are you kidding me? I have to join this. I have to, first of all, join the Christian, you know, Cosmetology International Association. But I also knew I needed to join Paul Mitchell because Jean Bra was involved in it. And so I got really, really excited. And it's so true because Paul Mitchell's culture is just so beautiful and so family friendly. I feel like it's really, really up leveled our industry as well, too. So um, just so glad to have you in my life. I want to introduce Stella here. Dr. Stella Davis. She's a graduate of Apostle Frederick Prince Ministry Training Institute. She's a licensed and ordained minister. She's the pastor of Starlight Faith International Ministries, 
pray.com. You can join that. I love getting the prayers texts all the time from you, Stella. It always makes me think about you. And then uh, <laughs> she's a licensed cosmetologist. Get this. You'll never believe it for almost 50 years. I know you became a cosmetologist when you were one years old, I'm sure. And she's a real estate agent and a licensed insurance broker. It's like, what don't you do? Again, she's the founder of the Christian um, Cosmetology International Association. You can go to that at christcia.org. That's been since 1989. And I love that one of your daughters is now the president. You were the founder and your daughter is taking it over. That's beautiful. Yes. And I love the fact that you're a believer in marketplace ministry and power to be an entrepreneur. I was thinking, wow, perfect, perfect segue. Because <laughs> I was thinking that this series should be called Be an Entrepreneur um, because I loved, ah, your class. Love it. I loved your class that you taught. Uh, you taught a class in my school, how to turn your talents into money. And that's your heart is uh, with that. And so I want to kind of share some of that. But I also want to share... The scripture that you have on your website, because I, I was looking at it, Stella, and it really spoke to me, especially during this crisis that we're under with coronavirus. And it really made me think about this because it's Psalm 9017. And uh, I want to read the Passion Translation because I love that translation. It says, Oh Lord, our God, let your sweet beauty rest upon us and give us favor. Come work with us and then our works will endure and give us success in all we do. So God wants us to be successful. He, he's not surprised by this coronavirus at all. And mm -hmm. all we have to do is just rest in him and he's going to take care of everything. So I'm excited. I want to call this be an entrepreneur. I mean, hello, look at everything you've accomplished and yet at incredible odds you were in when you were in high school you got pregnant in high school talk about that story <laughs> because this this is the b series and it's really about a lot of people have gone through adversity but come out on top i think most people look at us and think oh well well they were always successful they never had any adversity in their life right but tell right. oh yeah tell your story well you know, it's interesting when uh, I got your questionnaire and uh, I really asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what would you have me to share? I've been through so many adversities, but I want to share one that is going to be a blessing to people and that they can see my, you know, um, some of the things that I went through in the very early stages of my life and how it has helped to shape me into the woman that I am today. And so when I asked uh, the Holy Spirit, that was what he brought to mind, and that is that you're right. My senior year in high school, I got, I got pregnant, and, um, you know, it was a really tough time because it was in the 19, um, it was in the 60s. In fact, it was in the year of 1960, 66. And so um, during that time, you know, it was very uh, difficult because I had a decision to make, you know, being that I was a senior, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And of course, I didn't have the kind of relationship with God that I have now, you know, I was just uh, 18 years old. But I remember thinking to myself, well, I have a choice here, I can either get an abortion, or I can, you know, have this baby. And, uh, during the time, my, my boyfriend at the time, he was still in high school. So we were both still in high school. And, but because he was so supportive and his family, his mother was just a love. Um, she ended up, you know, we ended up getting married. So she was my mother-in-law. In fact, she just passed away um, at the latter part of the year during the holidays. But she was uh, my cheer, biggest cheerleader. He was very supportive. He's like, no, we're going to have this baby and we're going to, you know, we're going to make it through. And so um, after having my daughter, Tony, who is now 51, <laughs> but, you know, this was uh, many, many years ago, uh, we've made it because, of course, we did end up getting married. I've, of course, since divorced and, you know, I have another daughter. Uh, so I uh, pretty much raised them on my own as a single mom. That was a uh, you know, a big, big responsibility. But as God would have it, 
you know, sometimes when you're going through adversity, that's when, you know, you realize how strong you really are, but it's really your relationship with God and, um, you know, your commitment to him that will see you through. So that was probably one of the biggest challenges that I faced in my life. But mm-hmm. um, as a result of that, I can, I can say that having those two beautiful daughters, my other daughter who's 47 now, and I have five millennial grand, I don't call them grandchildren, I call them my grown grandkids because they're between the ages of 22 and uh, 28, and they're all college graduates. They've all done very, very well. I'm so proud of each and every one of them. So that, I would say, was the start of, um, you know, me just realizing, like, wow, okay, I know that God is with me because he has seen me through and will continue to see me through everything that I've been facing and that I have faced in life. Mm, I love that. What, what gave you the confidence, Sela, to become an entrepreneur? Like what's that untold story for you? And, you know, here you are, um, 1960s. I mean, that's tough. You know, nowadays it's not as hard in my opinion. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm, but right. to have a baby, uh, when you're not married, because it's kind of like an expected thing in our culture now, which is crazy to me, but it happened. Right. Right? And yes. uh, back then it was just like, Oh my gosh, you know? So what's that untold story for you? that you were able to gather that belief and, and tell me like your thoughts of why um, to become an entrepreneur, you know, someone that might be interested or thinking, yes, I feel like that's part of my purpose and my calling because I love the fact that you teach a class on turning your talents right into money and taking your purpose, so to speak, and turning it into money and making things work. Well, I believe that my, um, strength with regards to entrepreneurship came from my mother because my mother, um, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this, but she is a licensed cosmetologist and my mother went to school in the fifties and graduated. And, um, actually I was about five years old when she was in beauty school. And I remember her taking me to school with her and I would, you know, uh, comb the mannequins and, you know, I just really, um, started, doing hair long before I ever got a license. And so I grew up in the salon with my mother because she, uh, you know, she was doing hair uh, way back when, when all of us were growing up. That was, I, I grew up in a family of eight. I'm the second oldest of eight children. So as a result, I had a lot of responsibility helping, you know, to raise my brothers and sisters, but my mother was working most of the time. Uh, but, you know, she had her own salon she and several other of her friends, they um, bought a salon and, you know, they were very, very busy. It was very prosperous. Um, And when I was little, I used to go, you know, and help her in the salon. And uh, so I think that's where it was birthed for me to be an entrepreneur. Um, As a result of, you know, being around my mother in the salon and just seeing how hard she worked. Interestingly enough, I never really wanted to be a cosmetologist or a hairstylist when I was growing up. And part of the reason is because I saw my mother work very, very hard uh, during that time in the 50s and 60s. You know, hairdressing was not what you would call a glamorous career because especially in the African-American industry or hair care industry, because the type of work that you had to do was very uh, backbreaking. I mean, you were pressing with a hot stove, you were curling hair with these heavy, you know, irons. And like I said, it was not, to me, it was not glamorous at all. And so um, my mother used to say, oh, you're going to do hair. I would be like, no, I'm not. I'm going to do something greater than being a hairdresser. I'm just, that's not my calling. But as God would have it, (laughs) you know, in uh, 1971, after I graduated, I was married and, you know, um, graduated from high school, that is, and then we got married. I, this is interesting. One day I was driving down the street. I was working for Avon, um, and I heard this commercial on, on the radio, and they were advertising that you could get a free kit and two free uniforms if you signed up uh, <laughs> that week at Marinello's. And I was like, 
it caught my attention. I, I, it just out of the blue, it just like caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Little did I know it was God that was, you know, prompting me to go and mm-hmm. join and sign up. And so I did and I graduated. And uh, once I graduated, I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so now I, I have a license, but I don't want to go into the type of salon my mother was working in. I was like, okay, I got this license. I want to go into a salon. Well, for lack of a better term, I wanted to go into a salon where I could learn how to do all types of hair. I didn't want to be limited in just learning how to do African-American hair because actually I already knew how. I had grown up in it. I had been around my mother and helped her and supported her, so I knew how to do you know, so it wasn't a challenge for me to do curly, kinky hair. So I said, okay. So I went to, <laughs> I went to a, a, a white salon, to, for lack of another term. It was a salon in Pasadena. And these two Italian guys, they own this salon, right? So back in the day, uh, when I just got out of school, you know, we were, they were still doing pink curls and roller sets. And, you know, they weren't doing blow dries. Um, because Fidel Sassoon was just coming into uh, the United States and they were just starting to get into blow drying. But at that time, I didn't know anything about it. So I worked for these two guys. You know, I was their assistant. I was handing them rollers and pin curls and we were doing perms. And, you know, that was my start. That was my very first job as a licensed cosmetologist. But then later, what happened was, one of my teachers that was a teacher of mine at Marinello, she had gotten a job at iMagnus in Beverly Hills. So she remembered me as a student, how, you know, I was so busy all the time and I was pretty good at what I did because I was so passionate. She mm-hmm. called me one day and she said, Stella, I have a job for you at iMagnus in Beverly Hills. Are you available? Can you come? I, I need you. I think that, you know, I remember you from school and you were so passionate and so good. And so right now we have this program in sheer heaven at Glenby International. We have salons all over the world. And, uh, you know, we're looking for stylists to train. So I... Uh, the thing was, I was pregnant at the time with my second daughter, and I said, okay, uh, her name was Mercy Marillo. I said, Mercy, I'm, I'm having a baby, but as soon as I, as soon as I have my daughter, or I didn't know it was going to be a girl, but I said, as soon as I have the baby, I'm going to call you, and I'll be ready to start work. So as God would have it, I started working for iMagnon in Beverly Hills, which was owned by Glimby International. I don't know if you remember John mm. and Susie Chadwick. Um, yes. Uh-huh. You remember them? Okay. Yeah, the names. Yeah. Well, well, they were heading up the uh, training program and they were over all of the Glimby International salons mm-hmm. that were in high-end stores like Bergdorf Goodman, uh, you know, iMagnon, uh, all of the high-end stores. That's where their salons were. Mm-hmm. So here I was you know, driving all the way from Monrovia, the little small town that I grew up in. I was driving like probably 35 miles a day to get to work, you know, at IMAG in Beverly Hills. But it was so prestigious to be in Beverly Hills. I was like, oh, my God, I don't care. I can drive. I don't care what I have to do. But, you know, this is like a, a dream come true. I'll stop you here on the point that number one, to be an entrepreneur, first and foremost, you have to pay attention to what's going around you. Listen to God's promptings. And I, I love that you kind of mentioned that earlier because that's exactly what you did. And you have to like stay in tune with that. And I remember when my husband said, hey, I'm going to buy a cosmetology school and I wanted nothing to do with it. And so that's, really? yeah, so that's why I know that it was a God thing because God had whole different plans for me. It's kind of like you didn't want to become a cosmetologist, but God had a whole different plan for you. And so it's funny because how God can kind of lead you into a direction that's better for you that you don't even think of. Right. And then number two, I put challenge yourself to learn new things. And I love that you did that too, because you didn't just stay in your lane because, you know, talk to those hairstylists, that kind of stay in a lane of like, okay, this is my specialty and I'm, I'm only going to focus on this. But you said, no, you had the courage to be able to say, no, I'm going to learn all types of hair. What's that untold story for you 
Stella, that had you to do that and encourage people in that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because, like I said, I, I needed the challenge of learning different types of hair. And, you know, starting at Glenby, where I was working primarily on, you know, all types of hair, but not African-American hair, because in Beverly Hills, most of my clients were either, um, you know, um, Jewish or Italian or, you know, they were from either from another country. So I had the opportunity to work on different types of hair. But because of that, let me tell you, I grew, I grew, I grew, I grew. Not only learning how to do types of hair, different types of hair, but learning about different cultures, which was really a blessing for me because when you grow up in a primarily, you know, uh, in an area, a culture that, you know, you're born into and you haven't stepped outside of that, then sometimes you can get a little bit, jaded or think, well, this is, there's only one way of life. But when you find out that God has, you know, people in all areas and all aspects of life, then you, you begin to venture out. And so because of that and my passion, I became what's called a trainer for uh, Glimby International. Mm -hmm. And, and I was able to travel all over the country now, what during that time, they didn't have a training school. They just would have their trainers. Well, first of all, they sent us all to New York for like two weeks, and they, mm. they taught us all these different styles and techniques and cuts and all of that. And I was the only African, believe it or not, I was the only African-American female from a team of about 50 people. There were about 50 trainers they brought together uh, in New York. And that's where I met my very good friend who, um, you know, we've been friends for since that time, uh, Debbie Pierce, because she was the only African-American female on the East Coast and I was the only one on the West Coast. So as God would have it, we're still friends today. In fact, we prayed this morning, but, and she's in film mm. and television. She's famous hairstylist and wow. uh, just was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, but God brought us together like over 40 years ago. So you, were, you wanted me to speak to the stylists about stepping outside of their box and becoming, um, you know, just not staying in their lane. Well, I was not willing to stay in my lane. I became um, a national educator for Glimby International, traveled all over the country. And what I was saying about the uh, trainers, at that time, we didn't have a school where we would have stylists come to us. We had to actually go into these salons they would shut down the salon for a week or two, and we would teach them everything from cutting, color, relaxers, um, barbering. You know, we had a whole curriculum. And so all the stylists would be there, and we would train them. And then they would go back and, you know, take the things that they learned from us and start implementing them. And, you know, their skills increased as well as their ability to earn more income. So... What I would say to stylists is do not limit yourself because you don't really know what you're capable of until you try. I had no idea that I would become a national trainer. I had no idea that God was going to send me to all these salons and I was going to work with all these people. In fact, I met people that, um, you know, I'm still in contact with today. Uh, some of the people that I was able to train and travel and, you know, it, it's amazing what um, what gifts and talents are inside of you that you have no idea that are there. But I must mm -hmm. say that my training as working with Glimby and working with Donna and Susie Chadwick and all of the trainers from across the country, I learned how to cut hair. And that has been the thing that has given me the confidence to go into business, to be able to do celebrity um, clients. To um, even today, you know, I always say have scissors will travel because, you know, <laughs> I always say if wherever I always take my scissors with me wherever I go because I say I I have a saying that I can always cut my way back home <laughs> because, because I know you know I I've learned and I'm not I'm believe me I'm not being braggadocious at all but I have learned 
so much about hair cutting, not just from Glenby, but Paul Mitchell, all the companies I worked for, uh, Wilford Beauty Academy. You know, I could go on and on. I, I, I could tell you stories about all these different companies that I work for, but each one of them, you know, taught me something about, you know, working with people. You got to have good people skills, but along with your people skills, you got to have something to back it up. And what I learned about haircutting, which gave me the confidence to, like I said, open my own business. I've had two salons, three salons, actually. Uh, I've worked in, you know, I've been able to work in uh, some of the top salons in the country. I've worked with some of the the stylists of, you know, John Atchison, uh, Angus Mitchell, <laughs> you know, some of the top stylists in the country and the world. Uh, and so it just, you, you just have to realize that when God gives you a gift and a talent, you know, you just never know how far you can take it until you're, you're um, challenged, you're pushed, you have a passion, mm. you know, you just want to be better. When you want to be better, mm-hmm. God will open doors for you to improve in whatever area it's in. And I know that with the 50 years that I've been in this industry, uh, I think that when when I left Paul Mitchell in 2012, I felt like I had come, I had arisen to the top of my game in terms of the beauty industry. And that's why I was able to step out and, you know, get my insurance license, my real estate license, you know, I already had my ministry license. So, you know, it's just been a, a great run for me and I'm still running. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that the, the race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but to the one who endures to the end. So here I am, 71 years old, and I have not even touched, you know, the top of what God has for me because I know that uh, when his hand is upon you, age is just a number. It's, you know, you just keep going, and, and now I'm in my full-time ministry, um, and I'm sure you want to ask me some questions about that, uh, so I'll just come That's up. so cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just give me so much hope, and, and I feel like somebody's listening right now because I can't even believe the amount of students that say to me, that they came to school too old. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> age is no just a way. number. Don't say age that. Just a number. Just a number. Age so is just a number. I put down number three because earlier said something that just really, really made me connect with you on this. And you said, be passionate. You never know who can bless you. Do the right thing, even when you don't think anyone is watching. And here you were in school just doing the right thing. And like you said, you know, uh, the woman that, you know, helped you to get into Glenby and she was watching you and you never know who's yes. watching you. You never know. And you so never where, know. where did that integrity come from? Because, you know, you have like two, two different people, one that's always super integral, just always doing the right thing. Then you have the second person who's like, oh, they're not watching. I'm going to go ahead and just do whatever I want to do. Like you think they're not watching. (laughs) Talk about that. Where did that come for you? Well, you know, now that you asked the question, I believe that it came from being uh, the oldest, the second oldest of eight children. Because my sister and I, who has since passed away and gone to be with the Lord, she was a year and a half older than me. But she and I had the responsibility of my five younger brothers and my younger sister. So we did the cooking, the cleaning, helping with their homework, helping get dressed. I mean, we were like the moms, you know, uh, because like I said, my mother was working all the time. And uh, so I believe just knowing that, you know, I had a big responsibility and you know, people don't always do what you say, but they will watch you and do what you do. So I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, there for them. And to this day, you know, my, yeah, my sister who, in fact, she just called me, she's 57 uh, years old, but she still, you know, considers me to be her big sister and her mentor. And um, (laughs) so, you know, when when she was little, she used to follow me around and you know, people thought that she was my daughter because she was, she and I were so close, <laughs> but uh, she, you know, she, even today, we, we're very close. She loves the Lord. We pray together. We, we have a great relationship and she, 
just gave me a beautiful card yesterday and telling me how much she really loved me and appreciated me. So I think it started as um, a young person, you know, having so much responsibility. And then as I, you know, then I had my kids young. I had my daughter at 19. And so being a, a mom, that's mm-hmm. even a bigger responsibility because, you know, you have this little person that's looking to you to make sure that uh, you, you guide them and lead them in the right way. And even my daughter now, I look at her at 51 years old. She's an entrepreneur. She loves the Lord. You know, she's got two college graduates, two uh, kids that are college graduates. And then my other daughter who has three sons that are all college graduates and doing well. So I think that um, responsibility for sure, you know, can either make you or break you. It can make mm-hmm. you into, you know, a powerful leader where, you know, you have people that are looking to you to lead them. Or, you know, if you don't have God in your life, I just don't know where I would be unless I, you know, accepted my, um, accepted Jesus at a young age, even though I strayed away. But, you know, when he did um, get my attention. That was back in 85 when I was in Chicago working for uh, Wilfred Beauty Academy. But that's mm-hmm. a whole nother story. That's <laughs> um, awesome. I, yeah, that's, I believe that's um, where it stems from when you mm-hmm. have a lot of responsibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're responsible, then you're responsible to do. And we all are. <laughs> like we are able, right? We are able to be responsible. And God can yes, give you are. those. He can give you that, that secret sauce that you need, right? You just have to yes. lean on him. And I feel like so many people, because God's chasing everybody down. He's just waiting. He's just chasing. He's just yes. waiting. He's just waiting in the wings, you know, for all of yes, us. He is. All we have to do is just submit. It's that easy. And, and I put number four, which I love what you said earlier. You said you have to have good people skills, but a skill to back it up. <laughs> That's right. I I love that because you tried on new things. You didn't just stay in your lane of what you were good at. You thought, okay, it's kind of like me. I remember when Wynn Claybaugh, Dean of Palmetto Schools, told us all as owners that we needed to become motivational speakers. And I'm like, no. I am not a motivational speaker, so he is not going <laughs> to tell me that. And then I'm like, all right, fine. I will take on the challenge. I will work on my motivational speaking. And so I remember that. And now it's like, wow, fast forward to 2020, I'm leading a podcast. You just never know how God will use hidden talents inside of you to bless other people. And that's what that's I just, right. I love, you know, same thing as, you know, being an author. And, and so talk a little bit more about that. You know, you have to have good people skills and a skill to back it up. Cure, uh, you know, encourage somebody right now that's listening, that's thinking, I'm just not good at anything. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was, I considered myself really shy when I was growing up. Um, I didn't talk a lot. I just kind of like, um, you know, I just had this kind of sternness about me that, and probably because I had all these five brothers that I had to, you know, put the fear in them. So I was really <laughs> kind of shy. Uh, but when I got into the hair, into the beauty industry, I realized I had to start talking. <laughs> you know, I had to, you know, I had to sell myself, so to speak. And, um, but I always felt like, okay, well, you know, I, I got to talk. I don't want to say too much, but I got to let people know, you know, we have, we have to communicate. But what I learned is that the more um, I began to communicate with people, the stronger I became. It's like, oh, you know, uh, it's very important to have a good vocabulary. It's important to have, you know, a good speaking voice. It's important to know exactly what it is that you want to share with your clients because then that way when you're talking to them, they feel your confidence. They feel like, oh, well, she knows what she's talking about, so therefore I'm going to trust her. And uh, that was very important to me that, you know, I had the trust of my clients. But I also, like I said, you got to have something to back it up because, you know, you can talk a good one, but, you know, when you pick up those scissors or that comb or whatever it is, whatever tool that you're going to use, hey, you want to make sure that, you're using it to the best of your ability, but that comes with practice. I mean, over the years, you know, 
You, you can never get to the point where you think that you know it all. Practice, practice, practice. And that was one of the things I really learned at, at Paul Mitchell. I mean, you know, I became one of the uh, cutting specialists. And how I did that was because I practiced, practiced, practiced. And so your confidence, when you are good at something because you've practiced it, then your confidence level just speaks volume. You don't have to say a lot. You know, you just have to have a certain presence about yourself that people respect in the way that you carry yourself. And so I've always prided myself in carrying myself in a professional manner because then people can see that about you and then you don't have to say a whole lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, okay, it, you have a certain presence about yourself. But then, like I said, you have to be able to back up whatever it is that you're speaking about. And that comes with practice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I think about it, uh, I always thought, okay, well, when I can't really be you. And he's like, I don't want you to be me. <laughs> and right. a John Maxwell coach, and he's like, don't be me, be you, right? And I love you. that you said that. Yeah. yeah, be yourself, show your true self, because God made you perfectly and wonderful. You are valuable, right? And yes. so, so people feel your confidence. And I, I love that you said knowledge plus practice equals confidence, like period, yeah. knowledge plus practice. And then I put down uh, number five, because I love what you said earlier, endure to the end. Don't even think of retirement <laughs> because God no. always has something for you and listen to those promptings in his life. Um, and then number six, I put down, uh, be responsible. Responsibility can make or break you. And I, I love that you said that because you know, talk to someone right now that is, you know, they're on their couch, they're watching Netflix, right? And they're thinking, mm -hmm. they're thinking, I'm so miserable right now. I've got a whole nother month, at least maybe two, who knows when this is mm -hmm. going to be lifted, right? Talk to that right. person right now to be responsible, encourage them. Well, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because this is a very unprecedented time. We've never seen times like this. I mean, I'm 71 and um, I've never experienced anything like this in my life before. And I'm sure the majority of the people that are, that are uh, listening to this have never experienced it before either. And I would encourage you, as I have encouraged myself, like the Bible says, encourage yourself in the Lord. Uh, to take this time and begin to reflect, begin to ask God, Father, why, what is, well, how should I be spending my days? What should I be doing? Um, and not just wasting time because time is very valuable and it's very precious. And, you know, we don't get time back. We spend time, but we should be spending our time wisely. So I would encourage anyone that is listening to me, first of all, you want to ask God, it's like, okay, Lord, what, what should I be doing with my time right now? Of course, we know that we've got to follow what our government is saying. We've got to, you know, uh, shelter in place. We've got to wash our hands. You know, we've got to uh, uh, put on our masks when we go out, wear our gloves. We know all the facts about everything that we're supposed to do. We've heard it. All we got to do is turn on the news and it's there. But right now it's time to really have true faith in God. This is a, this is a testing time. It's like, okay, so Lord, you know, I, um, I know that I have to put my trust in you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of our ways we're to acknowledge him and he said he would direct our pathway. So we want God to direct us. We want him to be the head of our lives and, and show us the direction that he has for us to go. He says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's purpose shall prevail. In Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, the thoughts that I think towards you. The plans that I have for you are plans to prosper you and to to give you a hope for your future. The plans, the, the thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of good and not evil. So God has us on his mind. He wants the very best for us. 
he doesn't want us to take this time and say, woe is me, feel like I'm a victim. No, everybody is going through the same thing. But the, the difference in the person that says, okay, I'm going to make uh, the best use of my time and grow and become, you know, stronger, or the person that says, well, you know what, this is, this is ridiculous, you know, I'm just going to sit down, lay down on the couch, just eat all day and not really, you know, further myself. There's books to be read. There's podcasts like the B series that Tina is uh, actually <laughs> providing for us right now. There's so many ways in which we can grow. Um, you know, Wynn's book and his series, Be Nicer Else. I mean, this is the time to pull out all of the things that you've been wanting to do and wanting areas that you wanted to grow mm. and use it for growth, you know, personal development there. I can't say enough about personal development and look at, you know, Tony Robbins, um, all the, um, you know, motivational speakers, um, Tina Black, uh, Wynn Claybaugh, and even, you know, pull out your Bible, pull out your scriptures, just use this time to become so when, see, this is, I see this as preparation time because mm. God wants to launch us. He wants to elevate us. He wants to take us to a whole nother level, but you got to be ready. And this is a time that we can just, you know, get ready because when those, you know, when everything lifts and, and we're back to norm, normal, it'll be a new normal, but we will, you know, this is not going to last forever. I, I keep saying this too shall pass. This too shall pass. We've been through, you know, uh, 9-11. We've been through other plagues. You know, I get out my Bible. I, I have my whole room plastered with scriptures, particularly Psalms 91, which says, when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you know, we will say to the Lord, he is our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our strength. So we, as particularly as believers, we, we have no excuse. I mean, I've been wanting to spend more time with, with the Lord, but I've been so busy. You know, when you are an entrepreneur, you know, I've been busy with my real estate, with my insurance, uh, and so many other things with my nonprofit. But now I'm at home. So being at home is like, okay, oh, I can pray more. I can spend more time in prayer. I can read my word more. I can meditate more. I can, you know, just really take this time to build yourself up because, once you get built up and then that door opens, that window opens, you're going to be ready to go out and do great things for the Lord. So that's my that's encouragement so cool. to anyone. Yes. I love that you said that. I put down, uh, be ready, use this time to get ready because when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. And something that uh, Kelly Cardenas said recently, and I know you know Kelly Cardenas, and it's oh, yeah. was really hit. And I've been telling everybody this, and it's been really, really getting deep into people's minds is do not sit and do nothing unless God himself tells you to do not sit and do nothing unless God himself right. tells you to. And it exactly right. what you said. And I love that you said, encourage yourself in the Lord, reflect, ask God, how should I be spending my days? So number one, to be an entrepreneur, Stella, I put down, pay attention to what's going on around you. Be directed by God. Number two, Challenge yourself to learn new things. Be diversified. Number three, be passionate. You never know who can bless you. You never know who's watching you. And number four, you have to have good people skills and skills to back it up. Be you, be you. And then number five, I put down endure to the end. Don't ever think of retirement because God has something more for you at all times. Number six, be responsible. And I change that to, to be, be responsible, encourage yourself in the Lord, um, ask God, how should I be spending my days? What do you think on number seven is, what did I miss here as we start to end out this series? Well, you, you didn't miss anything. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, I think, okay. I'm just thinking about we, as believers in the Lord, we want to get revelation from God. God will reveal himself to us in ways. I'm thinking of a scripture that says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, 
Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God will do for those that love him. Mm. So there are hidden secrets that God has that he wants to reveal to us. The only way we're going to get that revelation is that when we get into his presence and we spend time meditating, the Bible says that we should meditate on the word day and night and observe all there is. And the Bible says, then he would make, we would make our way prosperous and we would have good success. So he's depending on us to, to be prosperous and to have good success. But he tells us, the condition of that is if we would meditate on the word day and night. And then he says to observe, to do all that is written therein. So he's telling us that he's giving us the secrets. He's telling us the things that we need to do in order to be prosperous, to have good success, to, that he's going to reveal himself to us in ways. He said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And he's Mm. telling us that he has so many things that he wants for us in life, but they're only going to come by spending time in his presence. And so I would say be in his presence. Yes, (laughs) be in God's presence. I love that you said that because I've been thinking a lot about meditation and, and I kept asking God, you know, when I meditate on your word, what exactly should I do? And it was so cool. You mentioned that today, uh, Dr. Stella, because it's so interesting. God gave me this word out of the scripture in first Peter and his tender love. He loves us tenderly. And that was in the passion Mm -hmm. translation. I wrote it down. It stayed Mm -hmm. on my mind. I was meditating on it. And then, you know, a crisis reveals what's inside of us. And and I have to tell you, you know, I haven't been that perfect 10 through this crisis. I've been up and I've been down. And, you know, some ugly things have been coming out of me, which is revealed mm-hmm. from what I did, in, you know, years ago to prepare myself, to prepare my heart and my character mm-hmm. to this moment. And, and so we yeah. always have work to do. And so I catch myself, you know, and so I caught myself saying something to my husband that wasn't nice today. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to him and I said, I just want to apologize to you because uh, God told me I needed to be tender with you, Mm -hmm. more tender. And he got tears in his eyes and he was just like, thank you so much for that. And, and, you know, we're all, he's going through a tough time. We're all going through, we're all in this together. And that's we're in this together in this together. And so reaching out for encouragement. And I love that you said that uh, Stella, because we all just need to reach out. And that's why I started this private Facebook page called Be Amazing. And it's mm. so incredible because we can encourage one another. And I've been praying for everyone that's in that group. And, you know, I've been starting my own little prayer group like you're doing. And so I love yeah. it. How can people be a part of what you're doing, Stella? And what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, the best way to get a hold of me is uh, on my website, which is www.christchristcia.org. Also, I have a couple of Facebook pages. One is the Christian Cosmetology International Association, where there's hundreds of members, and I post scriptures and videos and you know on a daily basis the other one is cosmetologist for christ those are two facebook pages that that i have and also they can email me out my email address is drstella at outlook.com if they go on the on my website all of our social media is there Uh, instagram linkedin Facebook, uh, Twitter, if they go on the uh, website, all of those social media contacts are there so they could just click on. I do a monthly uh, newsletter where I, this month I, I wrote a newsletter called um, the coronavirus. Well, it's actually fear versus faith in God. And mm-hmm. I talk about fear being false evidence appearing real but faith in God is trusting his word. You know, the Bible says that 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I talk a lot about fear and faith because fear brings torment. And we know that that is not of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. So I, I'm all over the place. <laughs> they I love can find that. me in, in any of those places. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have quite a large network of people that, uh, and then on Monday mornings, I do Monday morning manna, which is uh, a phone conference uh, line where you can call in. And I pray with people. I pray um, probably a good hour, 45 minutes to an hour. I'll probably do Facebook live at some point or maybe Zoom. Uh, I haven't done that yet because uh, I want to make sure that, you know, it's the right time. And I don't want to just do it for the wrong reason. I want to make sure that it's for the right reason. But, um, you know, all these social media outlets are great, especially now because mm-hmm. you can't go to church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. this is the first time in my life I think that I've missed being in church for two weeks in a row because, <laughs> you know, I'm always Sunday morning. That's where you'll find me. But I've learned that um, – you know, the church is in us. The Bible says that, um, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that we are the body of Christ, that the, the kingdom of God is within. And he says in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. You know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good, an acceptable and perfect will that God has for us. And, you know, in order to, to step into that perfect or perfecting will, we'll never be perfect, but he's always perfecting and maturing us because that's the, the purpose of the men and women of God, the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know, that's why he called us for the perfecting of the saints, which is the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying and the building up of the body of Christ. And that's our job, to build up the body of Christ. And I know that part of my mm-hmm. assignment is the beauty industry. And that's why after all these years, you know, even though I've, you know, I'm involved in other industries, this is my passion, the beauty industry. People like yourself, mm-hmm. you know, school owners, students, uh, teachers, mm-hmm. I, I'll never that will always be at the forefront of who I am as a person and as a minister of the gospel, because that was what God called me to over, you know, I can remember the very day that, you know, he spoke to me and, and, and gave me those words, Christian cosmetology international association. During that time, there was mm-hmm. no, there wasn't even an internet. And I was like, <laughs> international, how am I going to become international? Are you going to take me all over the world? Wow. But then later, you know, when the internet became um, into existence, it's like, oh, okay, www, World Wide Web. It's like, okay, that's how you're going to take me all over the world. Wow. But uh, I remember, Tina, I'm telling you, I was working for Wilfred Beauty Academy in Hollywood. But at the same time, I was attending the School of Ministry. So I was just asking God, like, oh, God, what what is it that you, why did you call me to ministry? What, what do you want me to do? I'm a hairstylist. I don't know anything about ministry. I don't have anybody in my family that's a minister. I don't know anything about being a pastor, a teacher, a apostle, a prop. I don't know anything about that. So I'm driving to work one morning and God just dropped that in my heart, in my spirit, mm. Christian cosmetology international so I was like in the world is that that was the first time I ever heard those words so when I got to work in in Hollywood I I remember I got on the phone I called my mother I'm like mom have you ever heard of the Christian cosmetology international association (laughs) (laughs) she was like no but it sounds good to me I was like what in the world is that that's how that's how he gave me the vision. I'm driving. He dropped it in my spirit. I'm on my way to work. So then I just started like, okay, well, what is it? Then he gave, that's when he gave me the scripture, the one that you talked about earlier mm-hmm. in Psalms 90, 17. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, the work of our hands will be established. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so apropos to our industry, the work of our hands. We work with our hands and we're in the beauty business <laughs> wow wow that's so cool i love it i love 
I love the fact that you just wait on God to be able to perfect you. And, and I feel like someone's listening right now that's saying, well, I don't really know how to access that. I don't know how to access God. And uh, so what advice would you give to them right now that's saying, I don't know how to access him? What, what, do, you, what do they need to do? What's the practicality of that? Well, first of all, they need to ask if they're not saved, if they haven't asked Jesus into their heart, you know, um, the word of God says that when you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. So um, that is the first step for those Mm -hmm. that, or maybe they did confess Jesus at an early age or at one time, but they kind of you know, maybe walked away from him or just really mm-hmm. haven't had him at the forefront of their life and their heart and their mind. So that would be number one, confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He is waiting with open arms to receive you. Mm-hmm. And then once you accept him and believe in him, then he is now in control because what you've done is you've been translated out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you're on a whole nother side. You're on a whole nother team. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you're in the kingdom of God. You're not in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of God. And now you have made him the head of your life. So he's now in control. So whenever you ask him, he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Mm-hmm. So once, you mm-hmm. are in the kingdom of God. Now your life becomes a life of prayer. Prayer is just communicating with God. You don't, is no form or fashion. You just right. ask, you just request. It's like, okay, Father, um, I need direction. I'm not really sure which way to go here, but I know that you know best, so show me. And yeah. then you just <laughs> wait yep. because. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. God wants to speak to us just like we speak to him. Mm. And then once you learn to hear his voice, he said, my sheep know my voice, the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. So it's like when, you know, you're, when you're a kid and, you know, your mother calls you, you always know that's your mother's voice. And the same way, when you become a believer, you, you begin to, recognize his voice but you know there's always there's other voices that are in the land too the enemy is always going to try to trick you up that's his motive he came to steal to kill and to destroy but jesus came that we might have life and have life more abundant so the more time we spend with him the more we will begin to hear his voice and be directed but you know we miss it and that's what sin is miss when we miss the mark that means that we have sin, not knowingly because there's sin of omission, commission, and lack of knowledge. You can sin and not know it, or you can sin and know it and say, oh, well, I don't care. You know, I'm going to do it my way anyhow. But when you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you will and I'll do it. But we have adversity. See, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I just want to bring this up that a lot of people feel like, oh, once I'm saved, then everything is going to go great in my life. I'm going to have everything I want, do everything I want, be everything I want. Oh, no. We have an adversary who is called the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, but he is our adversary. And he does not want us to be successful. He doesn't want anything good. He, He is against. So you got to know that you have, you have to fight. You know, there's the, the Bible says that, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The enemy is, he's the enemy of your mind. Mm-hmm. He is the one that's telling you that you're defeated, that, you know, you're nothing, you know, that's his job. He always wants to make you feel less than what you are. But God knows that, you know, with him, we can do all things. He said, you know, we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. So our strength comes from him. It doesn't come from just saying, okay, Lord, you know, here I am, use me. No, we have to know that there is an enemy and that we are in a fight. We're, especially now, we are in a war. You know, the churches mm-hmm. shut down. You know, people are sick and dying all around us. You know, um, we're stuck at home. 
Um, there's so many things that we cannot do, but one thing that we definitely can do, and that is mm-hmm. to pray. Yes. Oh my God, that is the biggest weapon that we have right now. Yes. Not only pray for ourselves, but for our families, for our children, for our nation, for this world. You know, people are sick and dying. People are heartbroken. They're so, you know, we have so much to pray about. And as believers, that is our job right now. That is yes. our responsibility. So I know you didn't ask all that, but. That was incredible. <laughs> I love it. That was beautiful. And, you know, just the fact that you said that prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. I love that. So Stella, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this podcast. What last piece of encouragement can you give everybody today and to lean into being an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, I do want to say that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. So I don't want people to feel like, oh, well, if I'm not an entrepreneur, then, you know, I'm not as valuable or whatever, because we need people right. in all different areas of life. But if God calls you, to be an entrepreneur, then yes, go forth and do it afraid. That's all do I can say because <laughs> do it afraid. And I have done it every step of the way. I remember my first salon I opened up. I was still in school. I was, I decided to go back to school as an adult at 35 to uh, get my degree. And uh, while I was in school, you know, I had, I had my two daughters. They were like in junior high at that time. And it's like, oh my God. What am I going to do? Money's getting tight. And lo and behold, I ended up buying a salon. Here I am, a college student buying a salon. But you know what? It was one of the best moves I could have made because, you know, I was able to make money. Um, I was able to teach my kids about being an entrepreneur. Uh, So it, it was one of the biggest steps that I ever made in life. Then I ended up buying another salon. But being an entrepreneur like you were saying, Tina, you know, it it is valuable. It's something that people need to know that if you are, you have a big responsibility because it's not just you anymore. It's the people that work for you. So teamwork Mm -hmm. is so important. When, when I had my salon, we worked as a team. I don't see that as much nowadays in salons because everybody wants to be independent. Everybody wants to have their own booth, their own this, their own that. So you don't see as much teamwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've got to have a good team and you have to be a good leader. You have to lead by example. You know, you got to, I, I used to say when I had my salon, I worked from the front door to the back door. I swept, <laughs> you know, I would collect yep. money. I fold towels, whatever needed to be done. You got to be willing to do it yourself because when you are willing to humble yourself and be the leader, then other people are going to follow. But if you are haughty and feel like, well, no, I'm not doing that. I have people around me that can do that. Well, you're not going to be a very strong leader nor a a successful entrepreneur. So you got to be willing to do the things that, you know, um, I think John Paul says, do the things you got to be willing to do the things that other people aren't willing to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unsuccessful people are not willing to do everything that successful people are willing to do. So I love that so much. I love this message, Stella. You are just absolutely amazing. I cannot thank you enough. It has been my honor. My, I, I just trust and hope that I said something to encourage someone to inspire someone to motivate them to be the best you, the authentic you that you can possibly be. God didn't make us to be um, copycats or to, you know, to be in the shadows of someone else. He says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has put things inside of us, given us gifts, talents, ability, creativity that we cannot even fathom. So the best is yet to come. You know, the best is yet to come. He will lead and guide you into the best life that you could, you know, lead you into having the best life that you could possibly have. And Tina, I want to just say thank you to you, my friend. I I can't believe we haven't talked in so long, but now (laughs) we've been reconnected. Yeah. You are a beautiful soul. I'm so proud of you. Every time I see your posts or anything that you send out I'm, I'm always smiling on the inside saying wow look at that Tina go Tina go um, <laughs> you are such an inspiration such uh, 
a beautiful woman of God. I mean, your family. I see your daughter's getting ready to have another. Uh, You're getting ready to be a grandma again. Grandma Ah! number two. Uh, I'm catching up to you. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, listen, that I'm sure uh, your grandson, what's his name, Aiden? Yes, Uh, Aiden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see him sitting on your husband's lap. I see grandpa all proud. And, you know, yes. it's a beautiful thing to um, have the next generation uh, because, you know, we, uh, that's another responsibility that we are to leave an inheritance to our children's children. Yes. So as a grandparent, uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, leave an inheritance to your, your children's children. So I just want to say to mm-hmm. you, Tina, God bless you. You are uh, one in a million. I'm so happy that God brought us together. You know, we have so much work to do as sisters in yes. Christ. And, yes. um, you know, we're, we're going to continue on this road to be there for people to help them along this journey because, you know, of our experience, we, you know, we, we have an obligation to share it, to encourage others. Because I want to see other people being in this business for 50 years or 20 years or 30 years because, Right now, it seems like, you know, so many stylists, they get licensed and they get discouraged, but they just don't realize they got to stay in the game. You got to stay in there, even when the times get tough, you know, and these are probably some of the toughest times that hairstylists will ever see in their life. But I'm telling you, and I believe with all my heart, if you just stay in the game, the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but to the one that endures to the end. The end has not come. You know, we are in the last days, but we've got many, 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 many more days to see on this earth and to be blessed, to be a blessing. So I love you. Wow. Thank God for you. And uh, I look forward to reconnecting with you at the appointed time, Tina. Thank you, you, Stella. God bless you too. Stay in the game. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.